Well, thanks again to the pastors for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you this evening about uh, the Czech Republic and the Czech Bible Institute. And before we get into that, I wanted to introduce you to my family. That's on our prayer card. If you don't have one, please grab one. It should still be in the back. But uh, my wife, Sharon, and my four boys and my daughter, so Nahum, Isaac, Jesse, Jonas, and Miriam, and they send their greetings as well. But there is one more family member that is not in the picture and that is our Bella Rose. So she's our, our boxer, and it's, it's all Pastor Rag's fault for introducing us to the, to the boxer breed that we absolutely love. And so our family really look forward, looks forward to going back to check to reunite with her and the hamsters that are in the scene as well there. But uh, that's our family. I'd like to begin, before we start talking about the Czech Bible Institute and the Czech Republic, what is the mission of the church? If I were to ask you, if you were asked to come on the stage and explain what is the mission of the church, how would you answer that question? And it's very important today because in missiology, that's under debate. Some people say, well, as Christians, the mission of the church is we should be, yes, digging wells and, and building hospitals and working for social justice and be involved in environmental things. And the list goes on and on and on. Shalom throughout the world. But is that technically the mission of the church? Pastor Reg and I were talking about this this yesterday, that it's such an encouragement that as you look in the scriptures, the recipe is very simple. Every year you don't have to pray for God's will for missions or how to do apologetics or how to do biblical counseling or whatever it is. The recipe is right here and it's very simple and our job is to understand the recipe and to follow it. And so as we think about the mission of the church, we all know the Great Commission. I think Lance Roberts was here just a few weeks ago and he talked from this text. So we don't have to go into detail. But if you listen to that sermon, what is the main imperative? What is the main command in this text? It is to make disciples. Very good. And so we are to make disciples and then modifying that as going, baptizing, and teaching. As you think about these things, I think it's, it's just absolutely brilliant what Jesus does here. You notice not only what he says, but what he does not say. Jesus does not say, make Christians or make converts. Instead, he says, make disciples. And essentially, this is evangelism because those who are made disciples are then baptized, right? And so that's the natural chain here. Is you, and you're going, you're making these disciples who are then baptized, and then you teach them. So in other words, every Christian is a disciple. You, you don't have some kind of higher lane, plane of Christianity. No, all of us who are in Christ are disciples of Christ. In other words, there's no such thing as a Christian who is not a disciple. And so in this one command, you have, I, I believe it's the two pillars of the mission of the church, evangelism and discipleship together in that one command. This is really the two lenses through which we live all of reality. It's like my glasses, right? I have two lenses. And through these two lenses, I view everyone around me, everyone in culture. Because either I run into an evangelistic opportunity, and that can be family, friends, neighbors, whoever. And the second lens is discipleship. Either if you're not an evangelistic opportunity, you are a discipleship opportunity. I can try to invest into your life, encourage you, be involved in admonishment and all of those things. That applies to everyone that surrounds you. So these are things that we need to remind ourselves daily that every person that you come across in your life is a ministry opportunity. Everyone. That is not only the mission for missionaries, but for every single Christian. 
every single Christian. And so as we think about that, the two great pillars, evangelism and discipleship, how do we see that really fleshed out in the New Testament? Well, what is a significant location for discipleship? Well, it's the local church, isn't it? And so that's why when you see uh, the disciples and apostles spread throughout the world at that time, they're not just evangelizing and discipling, but they're planting churches because these are centers for discipleship. And I think a lot of missionaries stop there. And they say, yes, I evangelize. And some of them stop just there. I evangelize, then go to another city and evangelize, and goes on and on. Others will say, I evangelize, and I plant a church. And some of them stop there. But is that really all that we see in the New Testament as far as the mission of the church? Uh, I think not. I think there's another element uh, to these uh, two great pillars, and that is training pastors. And I would even go beyond just training pastors. Much, much of my life I thought that's what it was. It's just training pastors and that's it. But I would add to that training pastors towards ordination. Uh, because I, sometimes in our circles we are of the mind that if a man graduates from seminary, he's a pastor. No. No, because any fool can go through a training program and kind of be a lone ranger. Uh, but that is not the biblical model for pastors and training Yes, you train men, but the training leads to ordaining. That is what makes a pastor. And you might be asking, well, what is ordination? Sounds like some kind of a mystical thing that you would find in the Catholic or Orthodox Church. But it's not a mystical thing at all. It's simply a public affirmation that a man has been tested over a period of time, seasons in his life, for his life, his character, his doctrine, his ability, his marriage, uh, his parenting skills, even his wife. And through periods of time, he has been tested and proven faithful so that godly men who are themselves ordained can lay hands publicly to say this man has been tested and proven and we are ready to lay hands on him to make him a pastor. That is uh, our goal as missionaries. We don't simply evangelize. We don't simply disciple and plant churches or just train men. We train faithful men towards ordination. You might be asking, well, okay, well, I understand that, but prove it biblically. And that's a question that you should be asking for whoever comes to you. Because some people come and say, well, yeah, I want your support. I plant a church every week. I plant 20 churches a month, 100 churches a year. And it sounds great, and we want to say, amen, praise the Lord. Here's our money. We want to get behind something like that. But we have to think critically about those claims. In fact, I was talking to a veteran missionary from Haiti one time, and that was his story for his daughter who was in Japan. And he says, yes, my my daughter and her husband, they are in Japan, and they plant one church. And as soon as they plant one church, and they plant another church, and then they plant another church, and then they plant another church. And you want to praise the Lord with them, but you're thinking biblically, you're thinking critically about those things. And so uh, the question we need to ask, and the question I asked him is, who's pastoring these churches? Who's pastoring the churches? At that point, usually there's very awkward pause. My friend said, well, I don't know. I guess baby Christians. I guess baby Christians. Now think critically about that for a moment. You're you're in a, a good teaching church. What is wrong with baby Christians being pastors of churches? What immediately sticks out in your mind? Are they saved? That's a good concern. Sometimes you need to see fruit. We talked about that this morning, right? Anyone else? Why? Okay. Okay. 
Exactly. What else? Yeah, and so you're limited by your knowledge, right? And so let's, let's put these together. Here's some, some concerns. You cannot be a recent convert. You're absolutely right. So baby Christians, according to Scripture, cannot be pastors of churches. What else? Well, what you mentioned as well is that an elder must be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict. Does a new convert have the theological depth to be able to discern truth from error in cults and other religions and even within Christendom to, to walk through the issues that separate Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy from biblical theology? No, you, you cannot. They don't have that theological depth. Also, we have a very clear testimony in 1 Timothy 5.22. You do not lay hands. And laying hands is ordination. It's that public testimony. You do not do that hastily. That too disallows for baby Christians to become pastors. And uh, what kind of men do you want to become pastors? Not just any breathing male with a heartbeat, right? You want faithful men. And you can only see faithfulness over seasons of life, over years. And so time, brothers and sisters, time is baked into the cake. And so that doesn't oftentimes play well in uh, newsletters because people want to see results and big results because in America we want numbers, right? And that's kind of the measure of success. But you remember, even at the very end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy, what does he say? Everyone has abandoned me, except for Onesiphorus. According to our standards, Paul was an absolute failure. He didn't have the big church. He didn't have the numbers. But that's not God's standard for success. It's faithfulness. And God tells us the recipe for how we are to be faithful regardless if there's numbers or not. This is the schedule. <laughs> this is the recipe for every church, not only in New Hampshire, the United States, but around the world, that we're not just to train men, but we are to train them so that we can ordain them, right? So he says, I left you there to appoint not an elder, but what does the text say? Elders, plural, in your city? No, but every city as I directed you. And so this is the mission of the church. We evangelize, we disciple, we plant churches, and we train faithful men towards ordination. Then what do we do? After the men have been trained, do we stick around 10, 20, 30 years? No. We see in Acts 14 that once that had happened, they appointed elders. And that word for appoint is to stretch forth the hand. That's ordination. Once they had ordained them in every church... With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed, and they left. What did they leave to do? They went to go <laughs> reproduce the same process in another city. And once they did that in that city, they'd go to the next city and do that same process over and over again. That is the mission of the church. And if, if our missionaries do not have that mindset, then they don't have the full mindset. And also, if you think of this, this picture then, if we are to be training faithful men towards ordination, should we not also be sending our missionaries as ordained themselves? Because how are you going to ordain someone else if you yourself aren't ordained? And so that's why it's very, very important not to just send someone on the mission field who's charismatic and passionate about missions. You send them out and they don't know what they're doing. You're exporting an ecclesiology. You're exporting a theology these men have to know what they're doing and have this vision for the mission of the church before we send them out. And so that is what we are wanting to do in the Czech Republic and around the world. Connected to this mission, we're associated with the Master's Academy International, which is 
obviously connected with the Master Seminary, and we are committed to training up these men for ordination. If you look in this book, probably many of you are familiar with this. It's a big, fat book on how you can pray for every country in the world. And you can read the text there that significant challenge for the Czech Republic is trained, theologically educated men. And so we're really trying to hit that nail there. Well, where is the Czech Republic? Sometimes you, you hear that and you automatically knee-jerk react and think Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia has not existed since 1993 because in that time the Czech Republic and Slovakia has split. And so the Czech Republic is actually right in the heart of Europe, right in the middle. And then you'll see Slovakia to the, the southeast there. What do we know about the Czech Republic? Well, historically speaking, this is the home of John Huss. And John Huss lived 100 years before Luther and just was an amazing impact on Luther that uh, pushed him towards the Reformation. And so he is what we would call a pre-reformer, and he was burned for his faith in 1415. Other statistics about the Czech Republic, uh, over 10 million, the language is Czech, but the most significant statistic, I think, is the non-religious element, or the nuns, as we would call them, over 70% atheist, agnostic, or secular. That is the highest percentage in all of Europe, and so definitely evangelism is what we eat, sleep, and breathe there. And so we have come alongside the Roberts family. You met Lance a few weeks ago. They've been laboring there for over 18 years now. And so it was a privilege to come alongside of them and just join with them in their labors there towards the mission of the church. And so as we think about the mission of the church, evangelism, discipleship, church planting, and training of men towards ordination, how are we doing that? Well, for evangelism, that's, that's a lifestyle. It's not just something that you do on a Sunday morning. It's not just something you do in an English camp. It is a lifestyle. And so there's a spectrum of ways that we try to evangelize the community from one-on-one -on -one relationships to people uh, coming to the church, English camps, tracts. We've written tracts, street evangelism. Uh, it, again, it's what we eat, sleep, and breathe there. Discipleship and counseling as well. We were talking just yesterday, I was talking to a pastor in Georgia who's a friend of, mutual friend of ours, and he said that a majority of their baptisms, new baptisms in their church is a result of biblical counseling in the community. People coming with life problems, hearing the gospel, being saved, God using their problems to draw them to himself. And we see the same thing in the Czech Republic is people are being counseled, they're coming to the Lord and being baptized through this vital ministry. Marriage is being renewed and people then train themselves how to dis disciple and counsel and then that's kind of a snowball effect and so again that too is one of the lenses of our glasses right we're always viewing people either as an evangelistic opportunity or discipleship counseling opportunity church planting then what are we doing well the church that i am a part of is in kujim it's about an hour to the west of where our training ministry is. I don't know if you can tell from the picture, but on the left side of the building is literally a pub. And on the right side of the building is our church. And so sometimes we have people stumble into the church, and that's okay. We can evangelize them. But uh, it actually used to be a part of the, the pub because the church was like the dance floor. You know, the sanctuary and the stage was where the band played, and the bar, you know, was where the bar was. And so that's where our coffee is now. It's a church planting. It's been going so long now, I would say it's a church revitalization project. 
It is, as I said, to the west of the, where the training institute is. And Cromier-Gige, to the east where the red circle is, that's where Lance Roberts and his family live. That's where the Czech Bible Institute is. Family lives an hour to the west outside of Brno in that city of Kujim. Also, as we think about church plant, well, let me back up a little bit then. In our town, Radek Kolajik had invited us to come be a part of his church and basically said, look, I'm your, your first student. I am your first disciple. Come help me to be a more effective shepherd. And so it's you know, very humble for a pastor to say that. And so we have come alongside of him to help him in shepherding and understand those things and to help him move towards ordination himself and to train him up properly where he had not before. And so, Lord willing, next summer he will be ordained. So you can pray for him, pray for his family. This is really raising the bar for what ordination should be in the Czech Republic. Beyond where we are in Kromirzij and in Kujim outside of Brno, we're also looking for a church plant outside of Ostrava. And when you're looking for a place to plant a church, You really need to look to see where God is working, where families are asking for a church. And Ostrava is the third largest city in the country, and there are many families there that are traveling either to Kromerzis or to our church to be a part of a a strong church, because there is none in Ostrava. And so they're begging, please send someone to be our pastor. And so we have our eyes set there to plant a church in the future, future, so that when we have another missionary join us, we can couple them with a Czech family, with a Czech man who is ordained and plant a church. So you can be praying for that. We're really excited about that project, and there's such a great need for that. <clears throat> Ostrava is a beautiful city. This is typically what you would see in the Czech Republic. Absolutely beautiful architecture, history there. Well, in addition to that, what is the final point? We have training pastors for ordination. And this is Kromerji's church. This is where Lance is. Our training institute is there. And we have three programs, a basic Bible survey program where we're teaching them through every book of the Bible, practical theology, systematic theology, hermeneutics, and apologetics and evangelism. And so from there, you can go either into pastoral training or into biblical counseling. Recently, if you've been receiving our newsletters, we have left the Baptist Union And because of that, there's a lot of kickback. This is actually a graphic I found on one of the websites that are attacking us for leaving the Baptist Union. You can obviously tell what we're being called, these fundamentalists, you know, these Bible beaters. And so there was a concern, are we going to have students this fall? Well, actually, we had to put a cap on the number of students that we had coming in because all the people wanting in, they realized where they could actually get good conservative training. And so this is a significant answer to prayer and we should be praying that God continues to draw people. What else are we doing there? We have Bible conferences every year. So we have, yeah, Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, Chris Mueller. Your brother Jerry Ragg is going to be with us next year as well. A great way to show expository preaching. In addition, publishing. Just in the time of, like the time of the Reformation, where probably the Reformation would not have happened apart from the printing press, that continues today. That publishing is absolutely essential. And so we're, we're publishing everything from the top, top right. You see Heath Lambert's book on pornography, Finally Free, Trusting God, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, Pastoring a, a, a Child's Heart, Trellis in the Vine, a bunch of those counseling pamphlets. This is another significant way that uh, you can pray and give is through the publishing ministry. People read these books and it changes lives. We have many testimonies of people like that. How can you help? Well, pray for us. Sign up for the newsletter. You have my, my permission to blast my newsletters to the, all the membership here. 
pray for God to save souls and raise up an army of men. That's something that we cannot do. Like I mentioned this morning from Philippians 2.13, it's God who is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Not only does God save, but God gives men that desire for pastoral ministry. So you can pray for that. You can join us on the field for short-term, long-term. Support a publishing project. That is an enduring contribution that will outlive you. It will outlive me. And finally, support as well. So thank you for your time. We appreciate your support, your prayers, your encouraging notes to us. You are a significant blessing. So thank you.